Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for a while, welcome back. I'm always glad that you are here with us. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. First, and I say this every show, if you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We've got some great guests coming up and also go back and check out some of the past shows. Such phenomenal guests have been on this season. Second, you all know that I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. Thank you to those who reached out asking me for other swag. I'm excited to share that we've added some new merch in the store. So go check all of that out. There is a link in the show notes. Have a peek, get yourself some swag and rock that you are a part of the Move the Ball movement. As you know, together we move the ball. All right, for today's episode, I have really been looking forward to today's show. If you've been a regular listener, you know that most of my conversations are with men. So I'm excited to have another amazing woman, a fellow attorney, and an incredible force in the sports industry join us inside the huddle and ready to talk about her experience and share what she does to move the ball is Kim Mayali. Kim, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be on your podcast. Well, we've been talking about having you on the show, so I'm glad to have you here inside the huddle. Let me just share a little bit about your background for our listeners. Kim is currently a sports agent and general counsel with Rock Nation Sports. Kim has certainly moved the ball, becoming a trailblazing NFL agent who has a star-studded client list, representing some of the best of the best talent in the league, including Saquon Barkley, who was selected as the number two overall draft pick in the 2018 NFL draft, and also Leonard Fournette, who was the number four overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft. She has so many other great clients on her roster as well. We will talk about Kim's journey and more on the show. All right, Kim, are you ready to move the ball? Yes, for sure. Well, I'm really excited because you're someone that's certainly paving the way. You're doing incredible things. You're a role model for so many women who are thinking about how can I break into sports, but also how can I just go after what it is that I want to do in life? And I mean, for me, with the Move the Ball movement, as you know, it's tough being in sports. And so to see where the brand has grown has been pretty incredible. But like you, I had a different life before coming into sports. And so I worked in another male-dominated industry as you did being a litigator. For me, I was in an engineering firm in senior leadership positions in my early 20s. And people were always like, wow, you go, girl. Like, what are you doing? And so for you, I know one of the quotes that you really like is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that is, dare to live the life you have dreamed for yourself. Go forward and make all of your dreams come true. And I love that quote. And the same thing for me, my life has been about just go after whatever it is you want in life. What does that quote mean to you? Yeah, I think it means dare to do what's considered impossible and make it possible. You know, too often people become complacent and kind of get stuck in their comfort zone. And I think for me, 
especially where I grew up in like a small town in Rhode Island, most people stay there, they don't leave. And that's fine. I'm not knocking it. However, there's such a big world out there. And I think I always just wanted more and felt like the only limitations are those that you set within yourself. And so I just wanted to really not create any boundaries for myself and just try and get to where I wanted to go and to try and chart a course to do it. And even if it was going to take a long time to really stay focused to make it happen. And I like that because we know that the journey to success doesn't happen overnight. And so it's really those people that are persistent and just continuing to do what they need to do to advance their career. And things will happen when I believe there's a time and place for everything. And so, you know, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen, but you have to stick with it. So you started off your career being a litigator, male-dominated industry. I know that was something that you really didn't feel was your calling and your passion. But what was it like being in Boston and being a litigator? Yeah, it was kind of like a quintessential legal moment, right? Being a litigator in Boston, there's a lot of TV shows that have those settings. So it was great to get that kind of traditional legal experience. And I definitely think that the skills that I honed during that time have really helped me along the way, and especially in my agent role, you know, being a strong advocate for a client, having strong arguing skills and writing skills, just lacked a passion for the subject matter that I was working on. So to take those skills and be able to apply and work on behalf of clients who I have these amazing relationships with and to put my heart and soul into it has made all the difference. Now, you had written an article about a year ago that I read that was talking about your journey being a litigator and then the transition into being an agent and you weren't necessarily taken seriously or viewed as an attorney. People would think that you were you know, more of an administrative type, giving you documents and stuff. Like, How did that feel? We all have people that don't necessarily see our worth or that, you know, think that we have the skill set that we actually bring to the table? Like, what did you do when you faced people like that? How did you handle those situations? I mean, definitely was like a old boys club in Boston practicing, especially it was 2005. So I'm aging myself here, but I was much younger. So I walk in a room, even though I'm in a suit, I still looked young and didn't look like I was capable of representing anybody. So they presumed I was the court reporter and give me their business card to request a copy of the transcript at the end of the deposition. And they were all a little taken aback when they heard that, no, I'm actually representing the co-defendant in the case. And listen, I think one of the partners in the firm gave me some advice and said, you know what, it's better to be underestimated because they won't see you coming. So use it to your advantage because you won't always have it. At some point, you are going to age and you'll be less underestimated. And so use it while you can. And I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind as even though it's frustrating sometimes to not be taken as seriously as you would like to be, you can also use it to your advantage. And, you know, I've argued appeals cases in Massachusetts against there were two gentlemen on the other side who were double my age and two of them against just little old me and I won. So I think if you believe in yourself and you put the time and effort in, anything is possible. Oh, I love that. And as I'm listening to you, you're reminding me of a time that I was a senior manager working for the Boeing company. And I took a trip up to Seattle, Washington, and we were touring this operations center. And I asked a question and the guy was like, that's a great question. We need more younger people asking questions like that. And I just kind of looked at him and my team was like, oh boy. And I mean, I was young. I was fortunate to be in management early, but it's just remembering those times where people discount you and they don't see like you as a position of authority or someone that could have a senior role because you look young. And so just, you know, I, I like just to embrace being underestimated and using that to your advantage because it's something that you absolutely have to use what you can to your advantage for any situation. Exactly. 
So I know you ended up taking a sport, well, I read that you ended up taking a sports law class while you were in law school. And so how did that impact and influence your ultimate transition into the sports industry? Well, it changed everything for me. I mean, I knew I wanted to be in sports and entertainment law, but I really didn't have any experience or didn't know anybody in the industry. So I was starting from scratch. So I took entertainment law, I took copyright, trademark, anything that I felt like touched on those industries. And then lo and behold, there's a sports law class. So I took that and I didn't know at the time who the professor was, but it happened to be a woman named Kristen Kaliga. And she is also an NFL agent. And so it was very fortuitous. And, you know, I was really inspired by the work we did in her class. And then she had advertised that she was going to be looking for an intern for the summer. I applied. I luckily landed the role and kind of the rest was history because I interned with Kristen every semester and summer the rest of my time in law school, just so I could absorb as much information and knowledge from her and also observe like what was her life like? What was the job like? in a real day and not just in the classroom. So that experience that I got in the classroom and outside with her was invaluable to me. And that's essentially when I decided like, this is the career I want to pursue specifically to be an NFL agent. And was there anything that Kristen specifically said to you as you were working with her and learning from her about how to be successful in this business? You know, just to be resilient because it's not going to be easy. No matter who you are and what agency you're at, it's going to be a difficult road because it's so competitive. Any industry that's as competitive as sports, that that's the case. And you can't be dissuaded by the no's, whether it's for a job, to sign a client. You just have to move forward and believe that there's a better opportunity down the road. And walk us through, how did you transition from where you were to Rock Nation? So... I don't have this like straight line path in my career. It definitely has some twists and turns. So I was litigating and basically had a job that was paying back my student loans. I did that for five years and then decided that I wanted to pursue being an NFL agent, that it was time. Separately, my uncle, who I was very, very close with, passed away. I was the executrix of his estate. And it was kind of just like a light bulb moment that life is very short and you shouldn't wait to do something you really want to do. Especially that's the way he lived. He was sort of an unconventional person. He didn't have a nine to five job. He was a musician and an artist and just really pursued what he was passionate about. And kind of in homage to him at that time, I said, I'm going to sign up for the test. I'm going to take it. So that was back in 2009 in the summer. I got certified and made a business card with basically my home address in Boston, my apartment and started representing local players. My first client was a running back. So I've always had a knack for running backs, I guess, out at Bryant University in Rhode Island. And, you know, kind of just stemmed from there, cutting my teeth basically on players who I was trying to get invites to training camp. So I did that for several years. And then one day I got a phone call from a hockey agent in New York. And the agency he was at was primarily hockey, but they wanted to expand into football. And he happened to be from Boston. And I think that my Boston phone number, I don't know, intrigued him or my Boston address. So he called and, you know, brought me in as one of the agents to interview for the new football department they were starting. And I landed that position, but it was really just a consulting position. So I was still working full time as an attorney and doing the consulting work with this agency. It was called Madison Avenue Sports and Entertainment. The principal of that agency, is an attorney named Joe Tacopina. He's a really high-profile criminal defense attorney here in New York. 
reps a lot of celebrities, artists, athletes when they have brush-ups with the law. And he knew all of the principals here at Rock Nation. And so when the sports department was open here, they were looking to bring in a football agent and they contacted Joe. They weren't sure if he was the agent or he had an agent on staff. And he called me one night and said, hey, can you be in New York tomorrow and interview at Rock Nation? They're looking to bring in a football agent. So I booked my ticket on a little, I think it was like a luxury charter bus. (laughs) (laughs) And I was there the next day. Nice, nice. And so when you first got your first client, like, or how long did it take you? How hard was it to just land that person? Because as you mentioned, I mean, this is a competitive business. Being a woman, it's even harder to get people to say, yes, I believe that this person is going to be the one that's going to best represent my interest in trying to get me to the NFL. Like, walk us through that part of your journey and how, how difficult was it for you? Well, it was very difficult, especially when I got here. The first client that I pitched to and signed was Geno Smith, who at the time was the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. And Rock Nation had just opened their doors. I was the first agent in-house. And no one could believe that Gino signed with me. And so it was such a scandalous situation. All of the agents were calling the Players Association, complaining, saying that it was really Jay-Z. He was really recruiting Gino. And I was kind of just the front name, but I wasn't really recruiting him or representing him. And at the time, there was a rule that prohibited agents from using anyone who wasn't an agent to help them recruit. And so I was brought before the NFLPA. I was deposed and had to give testimony about how I recruited Gino as an individual, as an agent, and had to really pass the test with the PA. So, you know, my medal was tested and I came through on the other side. They understood that I was a serious agent and did actually recruit Gino and his mom and spent time in that process. But, you know, it was difficult then when it happened, but coming out again on the other side and looking back, I'm glad it happened because it just made me stronger. Absolutely. I do think that every experience we go through, whether it feels good or bad, is there to really help grow us and shape us into a better person and to who we are so that we can continue to move the ball and do great things. So mentally, that's got, I can only imagine that's got to be a tough experience to go through. How was your mental state there? And what did you do to kind of just keep yourself mentally strong as you were going through that process? It was really tough. I mean, especially because, you know, I'm so thankful the support I got at Rock Nation because at the time the Players Association was totally fine with sort of hanging me out to dry and saying, well, if there was a rule violation, she did it, not you, Rock Nation. So you, we can just discipline her. And they, they said, no, no, no. Kim did nothing wrong here. We're standing behind her. And if you try and discipline her for something that she didn't do, we're going to not be in the football business. And that was really powerful. And so thankfully I had that kind of support that kept me going. And, you know, I trusted in the process that at the end of the day, I was going to come out prevailing because I knew we didn't do anything wrong. And I mean, you know, it's tough as a woman to be taken seriously by a lot of people in the industry. Like when you encounter people that don't take you seriously, how do you deal with that? And what advice would you give to other people who are really trying to push themselves in whatever career they're looking for, sports or not, where people aren't taking them seriously? You just can't take it personally. You can't let it get to you because it's going to be a lot of wasted time and energy. You've just got to, you know, use it as motivation to further work on whatever it is that the goal is that you're seeking to achieve because that's wasted time and energy. Worrying about going in an industry that only 2% are female. And it's just, again, it's not going to be a good use of your time. The best use of your time is becoming the very best in that field irrespective of man, woman, and then it's very hard for anyone to say anything negative about you. 
Yeah, and I find so many women tend to take those things personally and they allow those things to be excuses as to why they can't advance because somebody told them something or they were rejected or they got a bunch of no's. And so, I mean, you really have to just brush that off and not waste time to your point, just worrying about that stuff and continue to move forward. And something that you've said before is you have to be resilient. You can have a thousand no's, but one yes can change your entire trajectory of your career. And so when you look at all the no's that you've had, was there any that really kind of just was fuel for your motivation to continue to push? Is it like, for me, I remember one story where a woman, I had published my book, Move the Ball. And as you can imagine, no one in football really cared about a woman writing a book about football. And I was trying to network and connect. And I had a woman whose family had owned an NFL team tell me I was wasting my time. None of these players cared about what I had to say. So I should just go focus on being in corporate. And that's like the experience for me that I always come back to when I hit, you know, a major success. Now I'm like, I'm glad I didn't listen to you because I could have gone in a different path. Is there a story or an example of something that happened to you like that? That's kind of been your motivation for continuing to move forward? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. One that comes to mind, before I was affiliated with an agency, I still went to the combine every year. And I would always try and still network and make contacts with scouts and front office folks. And I was talking to one scout and he's like, you're an agent? He said, yeah. He's like, you don't look like an agent. I was like, well, what does an agent look like? He's like, I don't know. Drew Rosa has? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, like we're not all going to look like Drew. There's going to be a little diversity in appearance. So that always kind of stuck with me. Gotcha. And so I mentioned when I read your bio that you represent guys like Leonard Fournette, like Saquon, you've represented multiple top 10 picks, guys who have played in the Pro Bowl. When you look at the success of your clients and just think back of your journey to getting to this point, like how does that make you feel being able to represent some of the best talent there is in the industry? I mean, it's incredible. I have to pinch myself some days because I think I have to remind myself of where I started and how I got here because, you know, you get so caught up in the day to day and the business of it all that to be grateful and realize how blessed I am to work with these amazing players because it really is. And, you know, those are just a few of them, but I love every single player that I work with and they all are so special and talented that it's been just a blessing. I love it. And, you know, we talk about resiliency and never giving up and continuing to push for what you're passionate about. Was there ever a time where you kind of took a pause and said, what am I doing? Maybe I should go back to litigation or doing something different. Why am I doing this? And if so, what did you do to tell yourself to continue to go forward? Yeah, it was actually right about the time before I got this position at Rock Nation. You know, it's very costly to be an agent. You have to pay annual fees to the player association. You have to keep insurance coverage. You have to be licensed in states that you're going to recruit college athletes. So my husband was like, Kim, this is kind of getting ridiculous. Like you're spending all this money and then going to Indianapolis every year. It was like one more year and that's it. I think like I just paid my dues for the new year. And it was like getting to the point where I wasn't seeing a return on the investment and I probably needed to give it up at some point. And as he says, it was like the hand of God came down. <laughs> you got this opportunity with Rock Nation because at some point, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to keep it up without actually getting, you know, clients who are on teams and generating some revenue to stay in the business. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's tough when you hear a lot of different successful people, whether they're entrepreneurs or agents. I mean, it's really that we've all had these moments where we're like, hmm. Do I keep going or not? Because it's not an easy road, especially in sports. It's very competitive, like you mentioned before. And so it's neat to see your progression and all your success. So congratulations. It's a testament to all your hard work. 
And I guess what when you look at you being a woman in this field, 5% of agents are women. So it's a very small number, right, compared to the number of agents out there. I think it's important no matter what we do in our careers that we're differentiating and setting ourselves apart from our competition. What have you done to really help ensure your success being a sports agent? I mean, look, the fact that I am a woman and it's a small percentage of the agent base, that in and of itself makes me unique amongst most of the agents. But then separate from that, I think our business model here at Rock Nation is completely unique. So we're a huge company. We've got global resources and other companies that even can touch us from a resource standpoint represent like hundreds of athletes. We have like two dozen, not even. So just being able to offer that kind of level of service to clients is to me the most important piece here because you're getting something that you can't get anywhere else. Like this, again, an amazing company backing you, but with very individualized special attention that you'd have to go to a very small boutique agency to otherwise get. So that is how we as an agency differentiate ourselves. And then me personally, I mean, I think having a background as an attorney, being a litigator, I can offer value to my clients outside of just, of course, the football contract and really being able to hone in on the language and go through it with a fine-tooth comb to try and get them the very best, but also add value in other ways. So you know, if they're hiring a personal chef, doing that contract or providing them with NDAs, again, when they're hiring vendors to come into their homes, looking at a lease... Someone just sent me a purchase and sales agreement to review, you know, always with the caveat, like, listen, I'm not an expert in this field, but I'm happy to take a look and even be a liaison between their attorney that they're working with in that field to help explain it to them in in more layman's terms. So, you know, that's another way that I think is a little bit unique. There are other agents for attorneys, but not everyone is. So... Right. Yeah. You don't need to be, for those that aren't familiar, you, do, you don't need to be an attorney to have that NFLPA certification. You can have another master's degree and, and other, there are a few other requirements besides being an attorney to be an agent. So that's a great point. One way that you can bring added value to your clients. And you talk about, you know, representing a smaller number of clients and being able to focus on the relationships. I mean, that, that's so important, as you know, in business, in any field, the relationships you can have with your clients will by far turn into so many opportunities, either with them or with people they refer to you or that kind of a thing as well. Yeah. I mean, that's what to me is the big difference makers, the genuine relationships that my clients trust me. They know I'm going to tell them what they need to hear and be completely honest with them. Even I'm talking to a team and someone's giving, you know, I got negative feedback. I'm going to let you know because I'm not going to hide anything from you. That's going to hurt you ultimately in not having this information. And so building that trust, there's no shortcuts to building trust and relationships. It takes time. It takes commitment. And that's what I'm able to do, again, because of the small client base, really put the time and not just with the clients, but also their family members. Right. And I I know other players who have left agencies because they don't feel like they have that attention and that relationship with their agents. So they go elsewhere to find that. Right. We're not a transactional agency. It really is a family atmosphere here, not just amongst the players, but also just internally here amongst the colleagues. And so that's the environment we foster and you can just feel it. You know, if you come in the office, that's the vibe we give. And then just being around me, the other agents, the other colleagues that I have here, again, that's, that's what players are going to get. Now, we recently had the NFL draft just a couple months ago, and I do a patch of the draft series before the draft. I knew some of the Rock Nation clients were on the show as well. Brandon Smith, Jalen Armour Davis, loved having those guys on the series. I think a lot of people don't really understand 
how much work goes into preparing for the NFL draft, as well as the work that goes into getting ready for rookie minicamp, OTAs, training camp, and then the season. And so I think social media has helped give a little bit more visibility to that over the last couple of years. But walk us through, what is it like for these guys? They hear their names called on draft day. And then kind of talk to us about the process going into training camp and then getting ready for the season. Yeah. So everything changes in that moment, right? Once you get the phone call, now you know where you're going to live, the organization you're going to be part of, what fan base will be cheering for you for at least the next four years. So it's a truly life-changing moment. Again, not just for the players, but families as well. And so I give them a moment to enjoy it, to celebrate. And then usually they have to go pretty quickly thereafter to Ricky Minicamp. So helping them just to transition out of the apartment that they're in from training to going to be with the team. They usually then go back for a week and then go back to the team again for the development program. So just helping them to transition basically from college player to professional, like this is a job now employment situation, helping them to mentally prepare and then logistically prepare as well. Because again, it's life changing. And what do you see are some of the big differences that players have to adjust to from transitioning from college football to the NFL and this new life of being a professional athlete? I think there's benefits and disadvantages. One of the benefits is like a lot of guys say, oh my gosh, I have a lot of free time now because, you know, prior to they're handling a full course load and playing football. So now it's like, no, 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 it's just football. You don't have to do anything else. But I think also there's a different tone in those locker rooms because you're with grown men who have families and they're there to do their job and go home. There's no like playing around. So it's heightened exponentially. I think the intensity from college to NFL. But I think guys coming from programs like the Alabamas of the world, Georgia, you know, they're pretty well equipped for it, but it's still a transition. For sure. And we've seen more players talk about the mental aspect of being a professional athlete and how that can be taxing. And, you know, some will openly talk about the anxiety or mental health things that they've had to deal with, which I think is great because it allows people to see that, hey, we're human as well. And so when you look at just being a professional athlete, what are some of the struggles that you see? Maybe some of your clients, and you don't need to give any names or just other players out there are really dealing with as they're being, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you to be a pro athlete. It's a highly competitive industry. You've got someone every day vying for your spot. So, I mean, what are some of the things that you see guys are struggling with? Everything you mentioned, plus, you know, they're doing it under a spotlight, right? So every day people have these kinds of stresses in their lives. But again, magnify that because now you have the world watching. So if you don't have a good game or you're not starting, everyone can see it. And so I think helping the players to kind of just lock it all out, lock out the noise and focus on what they need to do to get to where they need to be is the best advice I can give because every single player goes through that. It's never going to be easy. No one's career is completely like the skyrocket up. There's always going to be bumps in the road. And how do you deal with the bad days, the bad games, especially players in certain markets like New York City? There's just, I mean, there's very little latitude given to players. They want you to come in and be a pro bowler and Hall of Famer day one. And so that's a lot of pressure. and. You know, it's difficult. And most of the guys are young. Even if you've been in the league a couple of years, you're talking about still only being 25, 26 years old. And it's just a tremendous amount of weight on their shoulders. For sure. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will be watching and listening 
to the show that are considering a sports career, being an agent or doing something else, for those that are looking at breaking into sports, especially women, what advice would you give them? And we've talked about being resilient, but what other things can you give them to try to help them to go after whatever it is that they're looking to do in life and you know pursue those dreams? To take any class or internship that is related to sports, if you want to be in sports. So it doesn't even have to be if you want to be an agent, but there are any internships available in agency. Look at the players associations, look at the leagues, look at a team or a brand, just anything that touches sports, try and gain some access because you'll build relationships there. And then lots of those people can move around too. So if you had a relationship at the PA and then someone goes in-house in agency, now you've got relationships in two places. So I think starting to network as, as early as possible. And if you're still in school, again, take classes that can help you further your career. So things that may make sense, you know, if you're in law school or even if it's undergrad, taking negotiation kind of classes to help you that's going to be useful down the road. And I like that you talk about networking as well, because that's such an important point. I mean, as you know, they say that your network is your net worth or your net worth is your network, however you want to say it. But I mean, that's really where the opportunities come about. The really great ones is from people in your network reaching out and saying, hey, Kim, hey, Jen you know, I've got this opportunity, you want to hear about it, or you think you'd be a great fit. And so networking is such an important part in today's day and age. And the beauty is you can use technology to do it. LinkedIn. LinkedIn is awesome. We didn't have that when I was looking for jobs, but I wish we did because you can pinpoint who went to your school, you know, who are alumni from your school and where are they at? And maybe, you know, they're more likely to maybe just sit down and have a conversation with you or do a Zoom or a phone call. So. Those are very important tools. And for the players that you work with, how big are they? Because I'm real big on working with athletes on like developing your network while you're still in the league. So that way, when you're ready to, it doesn't matter if you're a big name guy or someone that, you know, played for a couple of years and was on the practice squad and maybe got to see, you know, the active roster a couple of games, like build that network while you're still in the league. How strongly do your players focus on trying to grow their network right now while they're still in the league? Oh, they all do it. They're very insightful and understand the value in doing that. Especially, you know, I've got three players from Notre Dame. So tapping into that network, you know, alumni from the school or even their own roommates because they don't live amongst the players in Notre Dame. So Ronnie Stanley's roommate was the valedictorian at, at Notre Dame. So, you know, he's at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker and, you know, Ronnie goes to him for advice. So. I think that, you know, I always encourage it, but for the most part, the guys are in tune enough to know that that's what they need to do. So whether it's from their schools or whatever community and city that they're playing in to tap into, you know, business owners and leaders in the community that they can build relationships with, then they're going to do that. And we actually have a program here at Rock Nation called CEO Connect, where we have our players meet with CEOs that they have some kind of connection with again so from the city that they play in from their college where they're from and get them to start building that so important network oh that's awesome i think it's a fantastic program so glad to hear that you guys do that and you mentioned ronnie and so ronnie you were able to help him with the deal i think it was like 71 million dollar deal right well it was more <laughs> oh okay okay yeah, but that was the guaranteed money that's the guarantee the gu- oh okay yes. the guaranteed money yes. okay and so, I mean, how did it feel being able to, you know, help align and get such a great deal? I mean, it was such a great moment, especially I've known Ronnie for so long. I started recruiting him when he was a junior at Notre Dame and he decided to stay until his senior year. So 
I built a really strong relationship with him before I even signed him. And to watch him grow from this college kid who, <laughs> Ronnie's always sophisticated, I have to say, but still, from a college kid who struggled like anybody else to buy things to, you know, this huge contract and really secure the dream was just so rewarding for me. And then I've talked about this, but the timing of it was just such a blessing because I knew Ronnie was banged up. He was going to have to have shoulder surgery at the end of the season. And I could just tell he was struggling. He had sat out a game, actually. I think it was the Kansas City game, which was a huge game for them. And he sat out. When he went back, that's when figured the timing, like we have to strike now. And the Ravens had made an offer that was in line with what we were looking for. And so thought, okay, let's close this deal. And then, you know, 48 hours after Ronnie signed, he had a season ending injury. And, you know, he ended up actually having to have another procedure done last year. So he really hasn't played since doing that contract. And, you know, I can sleep well at night knowing that he's protected. Absolutely. I can only imagine how great of a feeling is knowing that you're able to bring that kind of an offer to your client. And I mean, as someone that that has clients, we always want to see great things happen for our clients, right? And so I'm sure that was just an amazing feeling to be able to do that. And obviously, you brokered some other great deals as well. But yeah, so I mean, again, fantastic job and all the things that you're doing for your clients. So Kim, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right. The first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lawyer. <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, we had, we had teddy bears. We had to like dress up in what we wanted to be. And mine was in a suit with a briefcase. So, Oh, very nice. Okay. What three words would you use to describe yourself? I'm going to go three R's. Resilient, relentless, and reliable. I like those three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I'm actually a really good cook. Oh, very nice. Is there something that you like to cook in particular, a type of food or? Well, I'm Italian, so I always kind of go for pasta dishes, all kinds of pasta dishes, but I cook a lot of different things. Okay. Do you have a favorite pasta dish? I have like this spicy crab rigatoni that I make. Okay. Library and chilies. That's kind of my favorite right now. Nice. Next question is, if you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? I had to pick a song when I was 40 under 40. And the song that I picked was Run This Town. It's a Jay-Z song. Nice. Great choice. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I kind of decided to go back and reread some classics. So I'm rereading The Great Gatsby in 1984. Oh, that is a classic. Awesome. Next question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you pick and why? I've answered this before, so I am going to cheat and give my same answer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Michelangelo, one of the great geniuses that ever walked this earth. William Shakespeare, another genius. I think all the things he wrote about, you can still see today in any movie you watch or book you read. And Coco Chanel, I love fashion and she's the epitome of grace and elegance. Great three choices. And my last question is, do you sing in the shower? I have a bad voice. So (laughs) if I'm alone, yeah. (laughs) So no one can hear it. Okay. So as we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Just to go and, you know, reach for the stars and see where you land and have no regrets. Love it. And where are you at on social media so people can follow you on your journey? I'm on Instagram. It's at Kim Maioli. I think it's the same for Twitter. Yeah. Okay. We'll have those links in our show notes so people can follow you and keep up with all the great things that you're doing. Thanks so much, Kim, for joining the show today. It has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will catch you next time. If you have not yet, hit that subscribe button. 
do so today and also share the episode with a friend or two or three. That's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, everyone, thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.